Exodus chapter 25. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll grab you one in the back and, and bring it to you. So get them up high so the ushers can, can see them. And uh, while they're doing that, we're going to go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, we do come to you and we just thank you so much, Lord, for this gracious day. Father, the day that you have made. Father, and as we come into this building, Lord, to just praise your name, to just give you ourselves, Lord, and our hearts, Lord, as we bow down at your feet, as we raise our hands and lift our voices to you in worship, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would meet us here. Father, we come to this place with an expectation, knowing that you have something for us. No matter if we're 12 years old or we're 95 years old, Lord, you have something special for us. And Father, we come and open your word today, and we come and just dwell in this place. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would bless Father, even as Pastor Sam and the team is down in Mexico trying to bless and to pour your spirit and your mercy and your love out, Father, we pray that you bless them. Father, we pray that you protect them. We pray, Lord, that you would do amazing things through them, Father. And then when they come back, it would be infectious to the, the rest of the body, to us, Lord, that we would want to pour ourselves into more of you. Father, that we would pour ourselves out in the community, Lord, with your love, your grace, your mercy. And Father, again, as, as we... We just worship you, Lord. We, we pray for the tithes and the offerings that happen. Father, we pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon it. Father, that the leaders of this fellowship, Lord, would, would have your heart, would have your protection, Lord, would have your vision to how you want to touch this community, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, for the building and the different things that we're, we're praying about. We pray, Lord, that your ministry would happen, Lord, that your fingerprint, your touch, your hand would be upon everything that we do in this place. Father, fill us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Well, this is a totally different aspect uh, from being over on that side to being right here. And the, um, the awe of it all is it really sinks in on Sunday morning as you're, you've prepared a little bit and you've tried to talk about what God is doing in your life and you've, you've, you've gone through um, the Word and how He impacts you and now it's time to share it. It's an amazing um, adventure, I would say. It's just an amazing adventure. And God moves in such a beautiful way that He will take you in a direction where you think you're going to go, and then He brings you back to where you need to be. And today, we're going to talk about mercy. We're going to talk about the mercy seat of God, and we're going to talk about how from the very, very beginning, God has poured Himself out into mercy. And trying to have some kind of communication with you and me, his creation. We're going to see the extents of what he's done to grant that mercy, that forgiveness. And we're going to be able to partake in some of that. And just, just taking it in and seeing what God is working in us and through us. You see, God is so amazing that he wants to dwell with us. He wants to dwell with us corporately in this place so much that in Exodus we're going to read that he desired for them to make a sanctuary, a dwelling place that he would be. I'll meet you in this place. And we're going to do certain things in this place. I'm going to talk to you. You're going to see my presence. You're going to see the glory of what I have. You're also going to see what it cost to come to me in your sin. You're going to see those little things that costs so much, that keeps us separate. And again, you're going to see the mercy that God has for each and every one of us as he pours himself 
out for us. We're in a beautiful place. As a Christian, as someone who believes in God, as people who have committed their lives to God, do you understand the mercy that has been bestowed on us? Do you understand the power of God in His name? Do we really grasp what it means to worship God and to understand who God is? Wow. These are things that are amazing. These are things that should just stop us as we get caught up in the daily routine of our lives, as we miss all that God has for us because of our busyness. We need to stop. We need to slow down. And we need to say, God wants something from us. And you know what that is? It's fellowship. It's fellowship. I want to be with you. Exodus 25, verse 8. It says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wants to dwell among us. You know, in the very, very beginning, God's desire was a relationship with us, with Adam, his creation. He desired that relationship to be a personal one, one where there was communication back and forth and and, and there was talk about what Adam learned through the day and the different intricacies. Man, that just blows my mind when you sit there and you think about Adam in the beginning who was perfect. He was made in the image of God, no sin yet. And as he dwelt and he, he walked through the garden and he walked through this earth, he would encounter different things. And at the cool of the day, it says, Jesus, God, would come down and talk with him, converse with him. Imagine what those conversations were like. God, why did you do this? What is this? How do I do that? What, what, what happens if we do this? Wow, this propagates that, and this very little bee, and this, whoa! I mean, just imagine the conversations that could happen in that particular time. God wanted to come down and talk to His creation. That hasn't changed. His mercy endures forever, and that has not changed to this day. No matter where we are, no matter how high or how low, no matter if we're in the gutter, no matter if we're on the top of the top and we can't peak anymore, God wants to be with you. That is amazing. That changes perspective on everything that we do, everything that we say. Do you believe that? Wow. God wants to dwell among us. God makes a way for his children. God makes a way. He made a way then, and he makes a way today for us to receive all the goodness that God has, all of his mercy, all of his forgiveness, all of his pace, all of his strength. God has made a way. We should rejoice. We should be excited. We should say amen. Don't be dead. Don't die in this world when God has so much for us. Let's read just down. We're going we're gonna to look at the mercy seat now. As on the same, well, on the same page in my Bible, but down in verse 17, God tells him that I want you to make this tabernacle in a particular way. I want you to do thir- certain things and I want you to go through uh, a certain process and I want you to go and make these things exactly the way that I tell you to make them. And when we get down here, talking about the Ark uh, of the Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant. He says in verse 17, You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, the best we have, 
Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half shall be its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work you shall make them at the, at the two ends of the mercy seat. Verse 19, make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends. Where are they supposed to be? At the ends. Okay, just so we don't mess it up, right? Okay, and they shall be one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim says, stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings and they shall face one another. And the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I give you. In verse 22 it says, And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. And there I will meet with you. And there I will meet with you. And there I will meet with you. Through mercy, God will meet with us. Through his mercy, God will meet with us. Through his mercy, God will meet with us. See, the ark of the covenant was a... a, a symbol. It was, it was a remembrance for us to look at and to see that God is working and this is where he's going to be. But in that, in that, in that ark, he placed the tablets, the commandments, the camp, commandments which we broke and we break through our sin. Over that commandment, the law, over that law is mercy. For you and me, that is such a beautiful place to be. Do you understand that we can't keep the law? Ten commandments, we can't keep them. Not ten. Yet we have volumes and volumes of laws. I mean, you can't even, you know, park in the parking lot without two or three different laws being broken if you park in the wrong place. That's how our society is. It's right or it's wrong. But you know what? Jesus and God had this covering, mercy. They had this covering on us that we could dwell with them. They wanted us. God wants us to be in his spirit. We, we are to communicate with him. And the only way that we can communicate with him is through his mercy. Because we have fallen short. We fell so short that there has to be sacrifices. And that's the blood that was sprinkled on that mercy seat. The sacrifices had to be made. A sacrifice, a blood sacrifice had to be made in order to approach God after the fall. There had to be some kind of payment for our sin. And you see, that's where the beauty of the Old Testament and the New Testament start to, to make its way in. You see, because that ark where that blood was sprinkled and covered by two angels and the, the Shekinah glory, the dwelling of God over that to be able to talk in, in the tabernacle. All of that was happening to show us what's going to happen later. We know the story where it says that God himself will be the sacrifice. God himself will be the sacrifice. That blood was the only way in this time 
That blood was sprinkled on that ark, so on that mercy seat, so that God would talk to the high priest and tell him what he had for the people. You see, we just celebrated Easter just a few weeks ago. And we got a touch of the cross. And we talked in depth about the love that it had and what it represents. How God himself made that sacrifice. The once and for all sacrifice. There would be no more animals that needed to be sacrificed. God himself would come down as a man, live as a man, and would spread his wing, spread his arms out, and he would die for us. He would spread his arms out. And he would be pierced. He would be beaten so much that he was beyond recognition for our sin. And as we read and we understand the Bible more and more, we understand that Jesus was the high priest. Jesus is the one that makes that way to tell us what God wants us to do through his word. Jesus is the one that came and died for our sins. Jesus was the high priest. He made and he prepared the way, the only way, to the Father and declared the most precious words to us. Those words, as he laid on that cross, as he sat on that cross, as he was hung on that cross, bleeding beyond recognition, he said three words, it is finished. It is finished. Those are the most precious words in the Bible. It is finished. The work, the work that it took for us to dwell with God again, with no sacrifices. Once and for all, the sacrifices are done. Once and for all, the payment has been made. Once and for all, the debt is done. God himself, the high priest, came and died for our sins. Do you understand? Do we comprehend? Do we even fathom in our daily lives what that means to us? His blood. That song, I'm on fire, when, when you think about the words, I'm on fire when you're near me, I'm on fire when you're near me, I'm on fire when you're near me. How can you not be when you see and understand the impact of everything that God does from the beginning to the very, very end? God is working out His mercy so that He can dwell with us, so that we can dwell with Him. Is that amazing? Does that change your perspective on everything that you do? Man, it should. Turn to Luke 24.1. Luke 24, verse 1. We're going we're gonna to come over to the Easter message here and we're going to see that mercy seat again. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a other woman and a certain other woman with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which had been prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were there, greatly perplexed about this, perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, then, as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to earth, and they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
for he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in, still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified the third day, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. You see, you see this picture of the garden. You see this picture. The stone had been rolled away. We know that that morning, if you read the Gospels, you, you know that morning there was a great earthquake and the stone was rolled away. It was gone. If you, you read the language as far away as you could possibly imagine. And they run in here to, or they go in here to do the process of, of the burial scenario. But the, the body's gone. And then you see two angels, two men, it says, arrayed in the splendor. Now, I read a commentary, and I think it was John Corson's, and it was a beautiful picture of the two angels sitting on that slab where Jesus was laid. Two angels, one at each end. And there was a slab there, and it was sprinkled with blood because the garments that Jesus had on him had blood all over him. His back was ripped. He was beaten so bad he was barely even recognizable as a man. He had a crown of thorns over his brow, and he, would, he was bleeding. And so that stain of blood would have been on that slab right there. And two angels meet them. What is that a picture of? The mercy seat. But see, he was the final sacrifice. Jesus Christ was it. He was the one. And I love how it says that there was a napkin that was folded up. The one that was covering his face was folded up, nice and neat and sitting there. There wasn't haste about it. God was finished with his work. He did what he had to do. He accomplished the task that his father, God, sent him to do. And he had risen. And he was going to reveal himself to all of those that knew him, the disciples and and 500 and even others. He made sure he made himself known. But we see that on that very day where the stone had been rolled away, you still see the mercy seat of God. And how everything in Exodus that had been told to do, this is the way that I want you to do it, it was going to be carried out again through Jesus Christ. Such a beautiful picture of mercy. Such a beautiful picture of forgiveness. Such a beautiful picture that God is forever. His mercy endures forever. And when you see and you hear about all of those things that Jesus did, His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. And why? Why did He do that? So that you and I could dwell with Him. So that you and I have a place that we can bow down before Him and pray and ask for Him to reveal whatever it is or to help us in our time of need. Whatever it is, God is there. And we have that available through the very acts that happened on the cross. It is finished. Do you understand? Do we comprehend? Do we actually get it that we have that access? Man, that's powerful. Man, that's amazing. You know, we're studying Hebrews right now, starting to go through this book. This book's amazing, Hebrews. As Sam goes through it, he's going to pull out different things. And man, you just see that the whole book was talking about Jesus is better than. 
All of the sacrifices and all of the laws and all of the things that you can't accomplish, there's no way you can do it. There's no way you can keep all of that. Jesus is so much better than that because he paid it once and for all for us to have that relationship. Our job now, as we believe, is to share his mercy, is to pour out God's mercy on everyone that we encounter, to, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news, not, hey, clean up your life because you have to do this and this and this and this and God will love you. No, God loves you first. God loves you last. God loves you, period. You don't know where I'm at. Yes, he does. I don't care where you're at. God loves you. God loves us so much that he gave his only son that he would die for our sins. That is the word. That is what we proclaim. That is the mercy that we give to other people. You don't understand. No, I don't. And I don't care because the mercy has covered the sin. The price was paid once and for all. And we have abundant life. Not pick and save life. Not dime store kind of life. Abundant life in Jesus Christ. Does that mean you're going to be wealthy and rich and all those things? Absolutely not. It means that you're going to understand the power of Jesus and what he did for our salvation. Amen? God is so good. He pours out his mercy. Turn to Luke 6, a couple chapters back. Chapter 6, verse 27. How do you pour out mercy that's been given to us? How do we do that? Do we do it by telling people everything that they've done wrong and why they're separated from God? Is that how we do it? Most of the time, that's how we do it. Amen? Dude, you can't do that. What do you mean I can't do that? You can't do that and be a Christian. What do you mean you can't do that and be a Christian? I don't understand. That's how we do it. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. I, I, don't, I don't read that. Watch this. Verse 27. Rules of kingdom life. Rules of mercy here. But I say to you, to you who hear. Everybody hear? Everybody can hear today, right? So this is to us. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer also the other. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, even those people who you know are taking your money and doing whatever they're doing for it with it. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you hope to get to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. 
but love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your return, your reward, will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Judge not, lest you be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure as you use, it will be repaid to you. Mercy. How many of us desire judgment? None. How many of us have done things where we've gotten caught and there's only one thing you desire? It's definitely not judgment or the thing that you deserve. Amen? No, I don't want that. I want mercy. I want mercy. I want your grace. I want your mercy. I want your grace. So as people who have been giving, as a nation, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been given mercy abundant mercy and that's what we're to do give it out that's where strength is found that's where joy is found that's where peace is found through mercy how many times when we're merciful to our children or to someone at work or whatever i mean i I have employees so i i try to pour out mercy as much as possible and and there's such a different attitude when they're not slammed. Such a different attitude when you say, you know what? You know what you did. You know what I'm supposed to do, but today it's not going to happen. Just don't do it again, okay? Just don't do it again. All right. There's a zing in their step. There's a, a, a commitment level to you that is greater now. The relationship is different. Sometimes they try to take advantage of it. Sometimes they don't. Just depends on the character of the person, but that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to change the way that I am. I want to pour out the mercy of God. I want to give above and beyond what's been given to me. Press down, just like the Bible says will happen to me. I want to give that out. When you really understand the mercies of God, it changes our life. When you understand what it cost for Jesus to say it is finished. When you understand, it's a lot easier to give this. You know, God has mercy all in His character. I'm going to read to you some things. You'll never be able to write them all down, so just listen. Um, The mercies of God are from Genesis to Revelation. And all through it, The character of God is mercy. The characters that he has is merciful. He's a merciful God. Does he judge? Absolutely. But he's a merciful God. Listen to this. God is described as great. His mercies are described as they're great in numbers. They're rich. They're manifold. They're plenteous. They're abundant. They're sure. They're everlasting all through the scriptures. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. They're tender. The psalmist writes, they're tender. 
Now, we know David, when he got into trouble, man, he really got into trouble. And he was a songwriter, so he poured his heart out in song and in worship to God. And he says, God's mercy was tender. God, God's mercy was good to me. And we know that God judged things that David did, but we know that God said that David was a man after my own heart. Wow, that's amazing. Do you understand? Do we comprehend how powerful, how good, how personal this God is? God's mercies are new every morning. That's Lamentations 3.23. God's mercies are new every morning. They're as high as the heaven. They fill the whole earth. They're all over His works in Psalm 145, verse 9. In His delight is mercy. God's mercies are manifested in these ways in in sending Jesus Christ God's mercy was manifest by sending Jesus Christ. They're manifested in salvation, in long-suffering to His people, to them that hear it, to the returning backsliders, to the repentant sinners, to the afflicted, to the fatherless, to whom He wills. That's who His mercy goes out. Do you realize that that's how you can put out mercy? To whomever you will. I want to give mercy today. It doesn't matter who that person is. You can grant that person mercy. That's something that you can do. You can give to them mercy. How do I do that? Show them the love of God. We read it in Luke 6. Love your enemies. The guy cuts you off. Hey, take the whole road. I'm all good. It's good to go. No worries, brother. How are you? How are you? All of them. Yes. His mercies are so good. He just said that up there? Yes, I did. His mercies are manifest with everlasting kindness in Isaiah 54. Mercy should be sought for ourselves. Mercy should be sought for others. Mercy should be pleaded in prayer. They should be rejoiced in. They should be magnified. God has typified His mercy. He has shown us His mercy through that, through that mercy seat. He has shown us through the cross His mercy. He has shown us through the picture of the tomb and the angels and the slab. And He wasn't there. He's risen. Turn to Malachi, Old Testament, Minor Prophets, 7 verse 18. Malachi 7 verse 18. I'm sorry. Micah, sorry. Sorry, Micah 7, verse 18. Sorry, Malachi. Go ahead, turn to Malachi. I'm going to read from the Bible right now. Just just testing you, see if you're actually turning there. That was just a little thing that we do, you know. Yeah, right. If you believe that, I got a piece of land out in the Everglades for you. Micah 7, verse 18. That's so funny. Who is like, who is a God like you? 
pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and he will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Who is like God that he does this wonderful act of showing mercy? Who is like God that created you and me and does all that it takes to continue the relationship? Who is like God? Who is like God? Instead of judgment, instead of um, ridicule, instead of malice, our behavior should be personified in mercy. Our behavior should be like God's and merciful. As we see whatever the situation, we know that the law has been covered by that mercy. Man, that opens up the whole door for the church, amen? Because, you know, do you realize now that you don't have to be perfect to get them into the church? Do you realize that? You know, when people come in and they're, you know, have been drinking a little bit too much or they don't smell too great or whatever, that is the perfect person that we are to grant mercy to. But he doesn't look like me. She doesn't act like me. They don't know what to say or what to talk. Praise God they don't know what to say yet. Show them mercy. Show them kindness. Give to those who need it. Because we are so blessed. And not for us to change them. God makes the change in them. Not us. We pray for them. We pour ourselves into them. We pour out our mercy into someone like that. And that's it. What do you mean? They can smoke outside and, you know, have a beer outside and do whatever outside? What, what is that that separates us from sharing the love of God to that person? It's immaturity. Jesus never walked away from those kinds of situations. He walked right into them. He walked right into them. So much so that we know the story about the lady who was caught in the very act of adultery. She's standing there absolutely naked, and he's protecting her the whole time, just as we read last week, as we studied last week. He protected her the whole time. Where are your accusers? Neither I accuse you. Go, go and don't do this anymore. Mercy. Wow. This is God, the creator, the one who set the law, who made the law, who wrote it with his finger. He's the one that said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And there she is. Bam. And how does he treat her? Don't do it again. Don't do it again. I love you. That's it. What a beautiful picture of how we, as a body of believers, can go into this upland region and embolden those who don't know God to love him more. Do you understand that that's the vision of who we are? Not to bring a bunch of cookie-cutter Christians and have a big monstrous church, but to infiltrate and show mercy. That's what we're to do. And we're to sing with our hands high and our hearts bowed low. And we're to give and give and give and not expect anything in return. Boy, that is so hard. Amen? 
wait a minute, you don't know what I've poured into that person. I can't believe that. Ah, stop right there. It doesn't matter. God showed us so much more than anything. Our, on our best day, whatever we pour, I give it all away. And they ruin it. It doesn't matter. We've done the same, if not more. If not more. How do we infiltrate? How do we go into this place? How do you go into your work? How do we go into the 7-Eleven or into the Taco Bell or wherever you go and pour out mercy by showing love? By giving yourself. By pouring yourself out as an offering, expecting nothing in return. What a commission. Let me tell you something. If you don't find, if you find yourself in a place where, you know, I'm just not feeling it anymore. You know, I don't understand what God has for me. And, you know, I haven't heard from him in a while. And, you know, the Bible's just words right now. And I just, I don't feel anything. I, 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 I want to taste and see that the Lord is good today. You can do it instantly. Instantly. Just go be merciful. Just go be merciful. That's it. Start to pour out mercy. Giving up your seat at a restaurant for someone who needs to sit down. What? That's, that's it? That's it. God bless you. No, go ahead, please. Selfless acts. I got that. You, have you guys been in the in the uh, grocery store and the person in front of you has barely got enough and you know they're starting to take things back? I got it. No, 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 I got it. Showing mercy. Why do you do this? Because I would want it for me. But I owe you. You owe me nothing. God bless you. That's it. How, how impactful is that kind of mercy? It changes a person. They get in their just car and just go, why? Who was that? What are these people thinking? God. And that's the point. Right there. That's it. You see, it's not about coming to the building. It's about coming here, filling up and pouring it all out. And coming Thursday night needing a little bit more because you need to pour some more out. Fill that cup, overflow it, fill it, overflow it. That's why we come into this place and we sing worship and we give to God everything that he's given to us. And then we go and we give more and more and more and more. Man, what a hard place this is to be. But what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing it is. The place where we find mercy is where we find strength, is where we find peace, is where we find goodness. How much time do we spend just thanking God for who He is at His mercy seat? Bowing our hearts and bowing our heads and saying, God, You are so good. And Your mercy and Your love, it endures forever and ever and ever in my life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Changes your whole perspective when you go out and you walk into the world. Where you'll find peace, where you find forgiveness is at that mercy seat. And you guys know it is finished. The work is done. So what more do we have to do? Pour it out. You know, I have to tell you, I love Pastor Sam for this because 
He's thinking out of the box on a lot of different things. And it's, it's probably the hardest thing to leave and to go to Georgia and to start living a new life with my family and stuff there. But I have been prepared in such a way to go and do likewise. And it's so amazing to see what God is going to do. I know what I have to do, and that's to show love and mercy, to embolden those around me, to know God more. How do you do that? Just by loving them, just as God did. Loving them and teaching them. Loving them and being with them. Loving them and pouring mercy out. Unmerited favor, grace. We find joy. We find strength. We find satisfaction. We find peace in the mercy of God. We find it bowing at the mercy seat. Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much. Lord, as we come into this place again, Lord, with expectation and we learn, Father, we open your word and it reveals so much of your character. It reveals so much of how you want us to live our lives. Father, it touches us in a way that is so beautiful. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we leave this dwelling place, Father, your glory would come with us. Father, that your spirit would be in our hearts and on our minds as we are at the next place that we go today, whether it's family's house, whether it's at a restaurant, Father, whether it's just to go home and take a nap. So we're tired for the week, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would just be with us. Father, that we could put your words and your hope and your strength and your joy into action, Lord, in our lives. Father, we, Lord, we pray that you would pour your spirit out. We pray that you would touch us again and again and again. And Father, we would be overflowing and emptied and overflowing and emptied. Father, we pray, Lord, that you touch everyone here today, Lord. If there's someone who doesn't know you here today or doesn't understand who you are, Father, I pray that you meet them right where they are, that they ask you into their hearts right now. And Father, you reveal yourself to them. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you this time, Lord. We pray for Sam and the team as they advance, Lord, in spreading your word. Father, we pray, Lord, that you pour your spirit out on them, that you bless their socks off, Lord, that you touch them and touch those kids who need you, Lord. May their hearts weep as yours did, and may their hearts open up to your word. Father, may you bring them safely back to us, Lord, that they would infect us with a fire of that same joy and emboldenedness. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for all of the things that you're going to help us do. And Lord, again, we, we pray for the tithes and the offerings that we could go out and infect, Lord, your people, your land here. In Jesus' name, amen.